On the block, on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. DeVito, pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game. DeVito, in relief, wins it for the Orange. They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. Swing in the mix. It is over. The Boston Red Sox, baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. The Bills make me want to Josh Allen, touchdown Buffalo. A 14-yard quarterback draw. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. And the celebration begins. This is on the block. Right, you know, there's validity in that opinion. Here's X-Men. Ah! Neat. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica Road, Earth, 96.5 FM, heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing on the ESPN app, take us with you wherever you go, those days are getting, uh, well, you're still going places, you're still doing things, but you know those nice fall days, I saw today, we're setting back the clocks coming up. It's going to be dark at like 4 o'clock, and you're not going to be out and about as much, like walking the dog and doing those kind of things. It dwindles, and the winter of misery begins. But if you are out and about and doing things and prefer to listen to the show the way the hip cats are doing it on the app, you get the app on your phone, and you listen wherever you go. It's a beautiful thing. You can uh, take in the Twitch experience of the program. Hello, Twitch friends. Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. The visual experience of the program. See into the inner sanctum here. The live chat throughout the program and your own show. The show within the show. The mics are on during commercial breaks just for our friends at Twitch.tv slash Q Sports Talk. Hope you're having a terrific Thursday. If you'd like to participate in the show. The live chat's a great way to do it at twitch.tv slash QSportsTalk. 437-7644 is the phone number. Always on Twitter, of course, at Brent Dax Media. We're looking forward to our guest today, Eric McLean. He is a former Clemson captain. He is on the ACC Network as an analyst. He's got a new podcast that he's doing with somebody we spoke with earlier this week, as a matter of fact. Kelly Gramlich, our friend from 105.5 The Roar. Best radio station name in the country. Was on with Kelly uh, earlier this afternoon. We always do the home and home when Syracuse plays Clemson. Always great to be on the roar. Had a good time there. And Kelly and Eric do a podcast all about ACC sports. So you should listen to that. And we're going to talk to Eric about this Clemson team, how it differs from past Clemson teams that were really freaking good. Some of the backups we're going to get to see for Clemson. Some other big matchups in the ACC this weekend, one in particular that we'll focus on. Eric McLean will join us about an hour from now. Looking forward to that conversation, as always. Giant fans, are you looking forward to tonight's game? What is your approach as a Giants fan right now? Are you upset that they won a game last week and don't want to know if that feels like the rest of the year? Or are you conceding 
speaking of Clemson and how these things tie together, that the tank for Trevor sweepstakes may be out of range for you, maybe out of reach for the Giants. Giants and Philly, I believe I saw the stat today. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think Daniel Jones and Carson Wentz are the two quarterbacks that have started regularly in football that have more interceptions than touchdowns. So we can either watch that bleep show or we can watch the other bleep show. Yay, democracy! And thankfully, the second and last debate between our two presidential candidates. Uh, It's a bleep show kind of night. Must-see TV. Didn't NBC always save must-see TV for Thursdays? Oh, speaking of which, that is how I'm going to describe the Syracuse-Clemson game for you here shortly. But we've got hot takes to come, get into the World Series a little bit. I'll probably uh, moan about Mookie Betts some more, even though he was not as prominent in last night's game. We'll go on the blind side and all the usual hijinks and tomfoolery of this sports talk radio program and our Burdick BMW opening drive. That's actually what's on my mind to go back to must-see TV for a moment. There was a time, see kids, back in the day, we couldn't just pull up something on our phones or on Netflix or on Hulu or on Quibi. Oh, I'm sorry. Quibi's no longer part of the discussion. Listen to me sounding all hip, keeping up with the media trends. But it's amazing how Seinfeld, Friends, The Office, Parks and Recreation, now these are all NBC shows, but shows that we had to wait for on Thursday nights. Must-see television. You actually had to make an appointment to sit down on a Thursday night and watch these television shows as opposed to pulling them up and binging them and watching them as much as you want. And I'm not, I'm slightly jealous of this, but it's just different times. The way my daughter watches Parks and Rec and Family Guy and must-see television is different than the way, back in my day when I actually had to watch a show and it was on TV. That wasn't that long ago, by the way. But Syracuse and Clemson by no means is must-see television. And usually when you watch a sporting event, you watch it live, right? You have to watch it live. I will be watching it live. I have to. I will be doing a Amtrak Syracuse football pregame show presented by Farod and Son Funeral Home and Charles Seating Air Conditioning, Plumbing, and Electrical for you, 10 a.m. Saturday right here. I'm here for the people, right? Setting you up for the 12 noon kickoff. I'll be watching as it happens of course, listening on TK99 with Matt Park, the voice of the orange. That's me. That's that's what I'll be doing. So I'm old school. I'm old school in that way because I'm going to be watching something as it happens as opposed to pulling it up later. But if there is a game about nothing, if there is a game that you don't have to watch, if there is a game that will change nothing when it comes to the status of Clemson and the status of Syracuse football It is this one on Saturday. This one is for diehards only. This one is, hey, Clemson fans are going to show up and watch football no matter who it is. They actually can go to football games. Syracuse playing in front of a crowd. Going to be a different experience for them. As they did not play in front of a crowd at North Carolina or Pittsburgh, certainly the last three home games at Syracuse, but they will be on Saturday. Memorial Stadium is allowing, I'm not sure what the percentage is. I forget. We asked uh, Kelly Gramlich about it earlier this week, but... There'll be fans in the building. Hey, great. But what is to be gained from watching Syracuse and Clemson? It's the show about nothing, right? Seinfeld was a show about nothing. 
It was must-see television. You had to see it as it happened, and you spent the next week when it really built up almost like a football game. You watch it, and you just spend the next week discussing that show and anticipating the next one, and Seinfeld just took us in so many different directions in so many different ways and constantly surprised us and entertained us. It later became a bigger hit running in syndication. You can watch Seinfeld now. Not all of it has aged well, per se. Not all of it has. You watch it, and there was a great article I read once that said basically a lot of the plots of Seinfeld wouldn't exist if cell phones were popular at the time, like as, as we have them now. If text messaging was a thing, like half of Seinfeld's plots would just blow up, right? So... If you are a sports fan that enjoys watching sports live, even knowing what's coming, you'll be there. Clemson fans will be there. Not going to be a ratings blockbuster for the ACC network by any stretch of the imagination. I'm sure Clemson, or the ACC network, pardon me, is happy to have Clemson because usually Clemson's on ESPN or ESPN2 or ABC in primetime somewhere, but 12 noon are on the ACC network. They're probably happy to have the flagship program of the ACC on. We will learn nothing from this game. Nothing. If anything, I am actually more interested in watching Clemson. I'm interested in seeing the future at quarterback. Don't ask me to pronounce his name. I can't do it. (laughs) I'm not even going to try. All right? But I'm interested to see who's taken over for Trevor Lawrence. And Kelly Gramlich described him as a Cam Newton, big physical type quarterback who will be healthy, will play in this game. We're going to ask Eric McLean about him later in the show as well. I'm interested to see the next generation of Clemson players, the young guys, because look, Trevor Lawrence is going to come in. I'm not going to predict a stat line, but he'll be out by halftime or just after halftime. And if anything, Clemson's nervous because Syracuse tends to knock out starting quarterbacks. If it's Trevor Lawrence or uh, you go back to Kelly Bryant, in 2017, but Travis Etienne's going to come in. He's probably going to get like 150 yards and a couple of touchdowns, and then he's going to get pulled out. Amari Rodgers will break past that Syracuse secondary at some point, get, I don't know, 100 yards or so and a couple touchdowns, and Dabo doesn't tend to run up the score as much as you would think. Now, Clemson's good, and the third stringers on Clemson are going to score touchdowns against anybody. So running up the score is not necessarily running up the score where you're going full throttle for a string, going for blood. It's just that they have so many players top to bottom that just by playing a football game, they're going to win games like they did last week, 73-7. But I know that. You know that. We all know that. This just in Clemson's really good. Syracuse knows the gap has never been wider between them and Clemson, the program they're chasing here, but putting this team on the field in this game there's nothing we'll learn about Syracuse nothing right what could we possibly learn other than if Jacoby and Morgan or Dylan Markowitz gets out there and even then boy they're so darn raw that I don't I'd be wary of what we're seeing so I'm fascinated and never doubt sports something will happen that we'll be discussing on Monday, next Monday after the game, that Seth Goldberg will be discussing with you on our post-game show Saturday, the Burdick BMW, Burdick Toyota, Burdick Lexus, Burdick Fuller, Syracuse football post-game show. 
Presented by Hides of Liverpool and Charles Heating, Air Conditioning, Plumbing, and Electrical. See, what with must-see TV, there were filler episodes, right? Not every Thursday was just gangbusters, big-time television. There were filler episodes. When you had to film, what was it, 22 to 24 episodes for a season, not every one of them is going to knock you out of the park. Seinfeld was one of the most consistent shows there was when they weren't hitting home runs they were at least hitting triples and doubles they never never seemingly got up there and swung and miss right it's like every football game is not the biggest game of the year and with Syracuse they're just in a position where the big game doesn't exist anymore it's a lost season this team is so decimated by injury that they just can't match up with these teams and I'd love to be proven wrong with that but when you have less than 60 scholarship players and half of them are freshmen and even some healthy bodies are banged up and you add it all up, this is just not a team that you can really judge. And as Chris Carlson wrote about today, and I think did a great job writing this column and writing this piece, how do we judge Dino this year? How do we judge this team this year? And immediately people start tensing up and and getting all huffy-puffy about things. And I'm getting emails from people like, they keep doing this, then how could they keep the head coach? And it's just... You're right to have that opinion, but you're judging this and watching this team as if we're in normal times, and we're just not. We're just not. But some people just want to, you know, stomp and moan and and say change is needed, and it's it's the it's all the coach's fault. And there are look, this is one of the most penalized teams in the country. This is one of the worst teams in the country on third down, Syracuse now, of course. These are problems. These are coaching issues. I'm not absolving. He doesn't get a pardon for 2020 just because it's, you know, 2020. Not at all. But there's just certain things you can't fall back on old habits on. If you apply 2020, if you apply everything to the formula and it still spits out that opinion, then okay. So judging Dino is something that is not going to be taken away from this game, but I think it's interesting how Chris wrote his article, and I wonder how many people will fall in line with that. I was really taken aback. Even on this show, we had a few callers. but So I was on 105.5 The Roar with uh, Kelly today. And to describe to them, like they didn't really have a concept of just how banged up Syracuse was. And you lay out some numbers and you say, okay, they have less than 60 scholarship players. Half the roster is freshmen. They didn't know the circumstance in which Andre Sisco got hurt, right? It's When I've had these conversations with people off the air, there has been something that has been a 100% reaction, and that is, whoa, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was that bad. And I can see their opinion changing before my very eyes. Right? It's amazing. It's kind of like the presidential election, and I'm not endorsing anybody. I don't want to get into politics here, but when you really sit somebody down sometimes, you're like, well, that no, that's not what they said and how they said it. This is how it went down. They're like, oh. Because people just take bits and pieces from Twitter and Facebook, and you know, we kind of tend to go towards whatever news sources that we find whatever credible or entertaining, whether you're a Fox person or a CNN person. And sometimes when you actually cross into the other side, you're like, oh, wait a minute. It's the same thing with this football team. Like some people don't follow this as intently as some of you do, as I do, as somebody in the media 
if you're just kind of a casual fan, when I've been asked about this team from people, and I even give them just some basic information, like, oh, wow, I didn't know it was that bad. I emailed, I try to email everybody back that emails me. I'm not successful with that. I, I forget, and, you know, Grandpa forgets sometimes, and some people are just, frankly, not worthy of being emailed back because they're just jerks. But, you know, I try to, right? Because you took the time to write me if you sign your name, and it's, or even if we disagree, if it's a reasonable point, I want to take the time to write you back. I should publish some of these emails. Angry, Dino, go, got fired, football, bad. And then you write them back, and you're like, well, did you consider A, B, and C? And I can't tell you how many people have written me back like, you know what, I didn't really think about it that way. I'm still not happy with what's happening here, but let's see what they do next year, right? So that all comes back to this is not must-see TV Saturday. We're not going to learn anything. It's filler. It's not the, you know, they save their best stuff in TV for sweeps. They save their best stuff in TV when the ratings books are out. We try to in radio as well, right? When we know the ratings books are out there, I hope we bring our best stuff every day and it reflects in the ratings, but there's certain times when the pressure's turned up a little bit. That's when you get those cliffhanger, four-part, you know, I watch all the Chicago shows. It's kind of a guilty pleasure, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, Chicago Med, NBC's got a nice Dick Wolf trilogy going there. When they do the five-part Med, PD, Fire crossovers, it's always in sweeps. Clemson's a primetime attraction, the number one team in the country, and all the things I don't need to tell you about, but what they're not and what will not happen is we will not learn a thing from this game. Not a thing. We're going to learn Clemson's really good. Syracuse is really bad. The score is going to be whatever it's going to be. The only thing on the line is the point spread, which I'm sure that's what Scooter in Jamesville is calling about here as we hit one phone call or two before we take a break at 437-7644. Scoot, how are you, bud? Well, actually, we're talking money line, actually, and uh, something I've never seen before, but uh, I, I think it's, uh, you know, we can do Sophie's portfolio, but we're going to have to risk 100000 to win hundred on the uh, on the Clemson game. Uh, that's why that's why you have to bet in Vegas to, to win a hundred bucks on Clemson. You have to risk a hundred thousand. So you know we you know we're putting together the syndicate. We're, we're not going to start with a with a hundred. We're thinking about you know putting together a million dollars for a thousand on Clemson. So okay. So, so you know big money, have like a, big money. That's it. That's it. Now we figure we get one of those hashtags. You know, uh, you know, when those things where people donate and stuff. And but uh, just out of curiosity, if this thing doesn't uh, work out for Sophie's portfolio, <laughs> has she has she shown any 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 um, any interest in rowing? I mean, I do know a rowing coach at USC <laughs> for the right price. See, uh, we this can get is her in. this is the strategy. You got to go like rowing or field hockey or a sport that's that's kind of off the the. You, you know, like basketball or all these mainstream sports, and you got to go kind of off the beat and trail a little bit, get a scholarship that way. There, there, and thank you, Scoot. We got to get to a break. There are some backup plans in place in case the Scooter Brent, for entertainment purposes only, Sophie Axe College plan doesn't come through. Yes, that is, that is in place. I love it. We'll break on that note. We'll come back around the block. ESPN Radio. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. And it is, friends. On the Block is presented by our friends at Pathfinder Bank. 
They have 10 branch locations in Onondaga and Oswego counties. If you are in either one of those fine counties as we speak, there is a Pathfinder Bank near you. Specializing in personal home loans with a wide range of terms and programs available, it is a great time to refinance your mortgage. The rates are historically low, and our friends at Pathfinder Bank can help you with that or whatever you need because they have convenient and competitive business products with local decisions and local processes. Pathfinder Bank's the local, did I mention local, community bank that you can trust, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Let's do some hot takes. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you, so are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for Hot Takes on the Block. And a shot in the left center. Back at the wall, it is gone. Lau has put the Rays on top as he busts out with a first inning, game two, home run. Big for the Rays, and Lau breaks out of a slump in that case. The Rays' bullpen, the old football reference, Ben, but don't break. Tampa holds on. For a 6-4 win, they even the World Series at one game apiece. Lau had been struggling big time going into that game last night. A 104 batting average. He was their best hitter all year. The first player to hit two opposite field home runs in a World Series game. Blake Snell doesn't allow a hit until the fifth and became the third pitcher in World Series history with two strikeouts in four straight innings, joining a nurse ratchet. Let it put on the World Series. Sandy Koufax is pitching. Bob Gibson as well. Here's what would worry me if I'm a Rays fan, and it goes back to what I said a moment ago. Now, look, that bullpen's got gas. Just three dudes that can in and throw 98 miles per hour, and, and this kind of lends itself to a deeper, bigger conversation about baseball. Okay, few things about this series. Tampa Bay got here and is here not completely because of analytics, but when you have the second lowest payroll in baseball, you have to lean on analytics. But at the same time, I don't need a supercomputer. I don't need Watson to tell me that having a great pitching staff, one of the best starting staffs in baseball, guys in the bullpen that just no matter who's coming in, they're dealing 98 miles per hour, great players that have emerged in this series, that's not, and, and throughout the year. And when a great player breaks out of a slump and does what Brandon Lau did last night, it has nothing to do with analytics. But when you get into situational things, when you pull a pitcher, and even if a pitcher's cruising, well, the analytics say you're at 90 pitches, you got to come out. This is what did in the Yankees to me. The Rays have a low payroll, a great front office. A lot of people that have been in that front office have gone to places across baseball, including the Dodgers, by the way, including the Red Sox by the way. But what the Rays will always have is that kind of underdog mentality. All the pressure is on the Dodgers in this World Series. They haven't won a World Series since 88. They're here again. Clayton Kershaw, clock running out there, the high payroll, like that's pressure. Tampa's always going to have the underdog, second lowest payroll in baseball, fighting the good fight kind of thing. What would worry me is what I just said, though. That bullpen bent but didn't break. They held on. 
and I don't know if they can do what they did last night three more times. They're a great team. It wouldn't surprise me if they did, and the Dodgers kind of have that mental strain. But that's my big takeaway last night. Lau was great. Bullpen was just good enough. That pitching matchup in Game 3, there's actually a break. We didn't get a lot of breaks in the postseason this year. Neutral sites didn't really need the travel break, but they're going to build in an off day here. And we'll get Game 3 on Friday night. Great pitching matchup in that one. But that's what would worry me if I'm Tampa. Just top to bottom, you know the Dodgers can threaten. And they they made it seem for a bit last night they were going to get back in that thing. And now for no reason whatsoever other than I heard this today, and it's yet another reason to point out that the Boston Red Sox made the 2020 equivalent of the Curse of the Bambino decision. Here is Michael Wilbon from PTI on just that. So you're completely right. Well, I'm sorry. I played the end of the clip, not the beginning of it. Here, Let me just say this about Mookie Betts. And I understand there's a budget. Most most teams have a budget. The Red Sox, it's a phony budget because they don't really have to have a budget. But to get rid of Mookie Betts, to let Mookie Betts go under any circumstance now seems like the dumbest decision of the last, I don't know, three to five years in baseball, maybe in all of sports, to let this guy go. He is a marvel in the outfield. He is everything you want at the plate. He tries. He gets along with his teammates. He's enthusiastic. He's a pro's pro. How dumb. Are the Boston yeah. Red Sox to let Mookie Betts go? Unbelievable. So you're completely right. Tony just said it there. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. like, man, you're really worked up about this Mookie Betts thing. Yes, I am. It always will be. That's always going to be. There's certain topics like you just know. Hey, listen. All right. It's, it's like you, you always have the pregame talk before Thanksgiving dinner. It's like, listen, don't just. Don't mention Trump around Uncle Frank, please. Can we have one day where we don't... Listen, just don't talk about the bills around Uncle Brent, okay? He's a little touchy about that. Can we just have one Thanksgiving where we don't have an argument? Now, listen, just don't bring up that one time that the dog ate Aunt Sue's pumpkin pie. She's still very bitter about that. That's me with Mookie Betts. Okay, you say the name Mookie Betts. Do you hear? My, do you hear me? Do you, do you see me on Twitch? Do you see how stressed I get? Just and he didn't even have that great of a game last night. It wasn't even like that all-world base running, unbelievable home run. Why did we get rid of that guy? Game one that he had. That's me. So I am the Hulk when it comes to Mookie Betts, and I don't even turn into a big green muscular monster. I'm still. Sitting here in my dorky Ricky Fowler golf shirt, no matter what. But you say, Mookie Betts, you want to see a man snap. You want to see a man go from a rational human being to rage. Just like that. You say, hey, Mookie Betts. I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I just, I just need to, just, I'm just going to go bang my head on the wall over there during the break upcoming here. Just getting rid of that guy. That was, that was a great idea. Anyway. Top of the hour, we're looking forward to our conversation, as we always do when he comes on the program. Eric McLean, ACC Network, former Clemson captain. What separates this Clemson team from, you know, all the other Clemson teams that are winning national championships lately? What Syracuse is up against Saturday? I think we kind of know that, but I'm curious about 
when you start peeling layers away, when Trevor Lawrence sets, when Travis Etienne sets, when Amari Rogers sets, when the stars are down, who's the next generation, some of the backups and players of the future for Clemson? We'll talk about all that with Eric McLean coming up. Giants in Philly tonight. We'll get into that. We'll go on the blind side. We've got a lot to do. Hang in there. Thank you. Bye-bye.